This is the Mind Your Business podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mind Your Business podcast. My name's Matt Williams. I'm joined, as always, by the fabulous Alan Clark. And um, I've just had Alan, I'm having technical issues today, and I, I haven't told you why, Alan. So on Monday, I managed somehow to tip an entire glass of Coke over my laptop. <laughs> and I had that freezing sensation where I was like, ah! And I just watched it kind of pull across the top, and I tipped it over to try and drain it all off wiped it down and then was thinking I think I got away with that and then heard the power socket within my laptop so where I plugged the power cord was literally sizzling and frying like I, I had a frying pan on you've <laughs> never heard the like and it took two days before it would charge again and it's a little bit there's a slight smell of plastic burning whenever I plug it into charge but it's working so hopefully it will hold together long enough for us to deliver a podcast but there you go fingers crossed Fingers crossed, eh? So, okay. Are you having a good week, Alan? I'm talking having a great about, week. Yes. You're talking about a new client that you've picked up, which is yeah. excellent stuff. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's going well. And what about you, sir? How's your oh, week? Oh, very, yeah. Full of opportunities is how I would describe my week. I've had some really good conversations. Um, I did get some feedback. So, I a client rang me up and said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, not bad. And he said, you can't say that. I've listened to your podcast. That's not how you should answer that question. So Fabulous. That was lovely. There's at Fabulous. least one listener out there that's uh, paying attention. So that's good. So in time on a tradition, Alan, what are we talking about this week? So we've got um, a bit of an experiment this week. We've not done something quite like this. So I'm very much looking forward to it. So we, we call this the podcast for entrepreneurs. And there has been quite a lot of leadership in it as well. So I thought, right, who's, let's start thinking of some of the big famous entrepreneurs that we can learn from, right? And even Absolutely. though I am an Android devotee, I have to go with Steve <laughs> Jobs, right? I have to go to Steve Jobs. Through gritted teeth. No, no, not at all. Not at all. He was a genius. I think it's fair to say. So I then found an article. And I want to, so we're not infringing copyright here. This article was in the Harvard Business Review magazine, April 2012. April 2012, written wow. by somebody called Walter Isaacson. So just after Steve Jobs died... This article by Walter Isaacson appeared in the Harvard Business Review, and it's called The Real Leadership Lessons of Steve Jobs. Now, what's really cool about this is they're 14, and I thought we could play a bit of a game today, right? So the game is this. You shout out a number, I read out the lesson with a bit of commentary, and then we get into a conversation, and we see how many we can get by putting quality into it in our 30-minute podcast. How does that sound? It sounds great. I'll just point out to our readers, I have not seen this list. So I'm going to caveat any answer I have in that it is literally off the top of my head. But no, I like this. We've already, we, we've done a podcast on Steve Jobs before, didn't we, about that memo. And it was a really, yeah. it was a really interesting conversation, but it got, it resonated with a lot of our listeners. So I think this could be epic. Okay. So do we need to set the scene any more than that, or do I just fire nope. you a number when we jump in? Right, you st- you fire out a number, and I'll I'll um, scan down my Android tablet and and, okay. and find it. Right, go for okay. it. Okay. Now the close-up magician 
in listeners will know that there's a number I would normally pick that everyone picks if you give them a number between 1 and 14 but I'm not going to go with that number which is number 7 I'm going to go with my old football squad number so number 5 Alan, number, number 5, five? One, two, three, four, five. Number 5 is push for perfection so ladies and gentlemen you have chosen number 5 push for perfection so I am going to go and find that so we will get down to push for perfection Right, push for perfection. So, Paragraph says, During the development of almost every product he ever created, Jobs at a certain point hit the pause button and went back to the drawing board because he felt it wasn't perfect. That happened even with the movie Toy Story. After Jeff Katzenberg and the team at Disney, which has bought the rights to the movie, pushed the Pixar team to make it edgy and darker, Jobs and the director, John Lasseter, finally stopped production and rewrote the story to make it friendlier. When he was about to launch Apple stores, he and his store guru, Ron Johnson, suddenly decided to delay everything a few months so that stores' layouts would be reorganised around activities and not just product categories. Push for perfection. Any comments? Well, that flies in the face with something that I tell a lot of my clients all the time, which is a little bit disconcerting, if I'm honest. So, I... In my experience, I often find that when business owners are launching something new, they get crippled by searching for perfection. And we have a we have a mantra that version one is better than version none. And we've talked about this a little bit on the pod. But yeah. in my view, get something out there and then refine it. Whereas this seems to be, don't launch it until it's 100% perfect. Now, I was actually watching the first the launch of the very first iPhone. Uh, you see, it's like a 15-minute video. I was showing mm-hmm. my daughter it the other mm-hmm. day about how far things have come. And he's on the stage, and you can see he's, de- he's delivering this product, which is genuinely ground, like life-changing, groundbreaking product, right? The whole point was that it was an iPhone in your hand, an iPod in your hand, a computer in your hand, and a phone. And the way he delivered it, you could see it was, it was perfect, right? The product, that original iPhone, compared with everything else out there, was perfection at that point now it's obviously been refined 15 times since but that first one in a nutshell caught everything that it needed to be to create this perfect product which now it's like the hoover isn't it right it was the first one that the first proper smartphone and every other smartphone since then owes it's that plays homage back to that original iphone so my initial thoughts are that is very much on brand for Apple. Apple's entire product development is based around perfection. That makes them as a business quite unique because I think the huge amount, the, the general principles of business are to get something out there, get an MVP out there, minimum viable product or service. Get it out there, test it, refine it. So I, I understand Steve Jobs' thinking. I think it's easier to do that with the amount of money and firepower that Apple has compared with the average small business owner would be my caveat to it yeah yeah i think i think that's really good and you know my my thinking is very similar to yours you know better get out there and test and improve but get something out there however i think that's a reminder of of setting the bar really high you know steve jobs was known for that and also actually 
Apple products are, are the highest of the highest spec in terms of design. So yes, that, that was a fundamental behavior probably to ensure that these products were miles away from everything else. So, you know, I suspect at the time that would have been really frustrating working for Steve Jobs with this relentless push for perfection. But what that did do was give him blue sky between the rest, his products and the rest. I mean, there's very much, there is not, and there I don't think ever will be, a cheap iPhone. So if you look at the price points, even the smallest, you know, SE or whatever it is now, is still a premium product. There is, whereas if you look at Samsung, Samsung has its flagship products, which are of an equivalent of every, you know, the top end iPhones. But you can buy a 150 or 300 pound Samsung A, whatever it is, that's, you know, half the functionality, dumbed down, no battery, blah, blah, blah. But you can still have a Samsung phone. And Samsung got mass market appeal, so they sell a lot of these phones. But does it devalue their brand? I think quite possibly it does. It's the same thing with, if you pick but, car manufacturers, same thing, right? You can get a poverty spec version of a 3 Series that is not the same as a, the proper 3 Series. Um, I, and also the one that I would have to throw in, and I was a massive fan of them and I used them, was, was Blackberry. I think that, that I mean, I loved the BlackBerry Bowl. That was their flagship. I loved it. But they brought in four or five, six that didn't have the leather back. It was cheap plastic. It was just tacky. And I, I think they lost the plot in many ways at that time, just as the iPhone was starting to be attractive to businesses because it could do encryption, etc., etc. So, okay, we're, we're, I'm loving this, but we might not get past one lesson here. So will we no, jump on to another one? Off. Let's right. jump on to another one. Okay, let's pick number 11. Input. Input. Easy for you to say. Job's early mentor, Mike Marcula, wrote him a memo in 1979 that urged three principles. The first two were empathy and focus. The third was an awkward word, impute. But it became one of Job's key doctrines. He knew that people form an opinion about a product or a company on the basis of how it is presented and packaged. Mike taught me that people do judge a book by its cover, he told me. So when he was getting ready to ship the Macintosh in 1984, he obsessed over the colours and design of the box. Similarly, he personally spent time designing and redesigning the jewel-like boxes that cradle the iPod and the iPhone and listed himself on the patents for them. He and I believed that unpacking was a ritual like theatre, the, the unboxing, and heralded the glory of the product. When you open the box of an iPhone or an iPad, we want that tactile experience to set the tone for how you perceive the product. Wow, I, I love that I picked that one because it follows on nicely from the one that we just talked about in that you're right you pay so we just talked about perfection right so the iphone perfect product the packaging is an extension of that perfect product yeah. there is um have you ever watched the youtube channel unbox therapy no but my that unboxing is a big thing in our family with my son michael and daughter olivia that they That's it's it. like they'll, a they'll know exactly who you could go and be cool be that cool dad and tell them about unbox therapy <laughs> and they'll know exactly who you're talking about guy makes a living unboxing things right? and that all started from apple where you do and, and it follows through now we picked up a 
one of our bank accounts that we bank with as a business is tied and I got my credit card through from them the other day and that is a completely different experience I got one through from Metro Bank who are a modern bank but they're still a traditional bank and that was the typical here's your credit card it's sort of got a little bit of glue and it's stuck to a bit of paper Tide sent me this lovely little box with a little ribbon on it and as you pull the ribbon the box unfolds and the card pops up and suddenly you think now the product is exactly the same right it's a credit card doesn't make any or debit card doesn't make any difference to my life but the boxing and that packaging kind of summed up the relationship that i have with tide compared to the one i do with metro tide is their brand is a challenger they're modern they're funky and they they thought about that customer journey and every touch point and i think that is a huge thing that's a huge thing in my business we look at from delivering a proposal to the client, signing the proposal, to being onboarded, to the first meeting, to the last meeting, we deliver a quality of product and it has to shine through. It's, we can't, how do I explain it? We give them a really nice shiny proposal and when they click that, they get a lovely shiny video. And then when they go through that, they get a nice shiny portal to it. There's no point in there where we drop the standard or we, we deliver something that's fundamentally different to the first thing that we deliver and i think that's that's setting the tone isn't it it's it comes back to i guess you can't say on your website ah oh, we're you know we're always open for business and we'll you know we're, the best thing about working with us for example our plumbing businesses we're 24 hours on call and then when someone rings you at three in the morning they get an answer phone message saying ring back at eight o'clock you have to kind of set the tone with every touch point and then follow it through I I love this, you know, in the two podcasts ago, The Power of Language, we talked a lot about perception coming from context. And this is a, this is a physical version of that. You know, you perceive your product in a certain light. So you've perceived the Tide credit card differently to the Metro Bank and you feel differently about it. Your emotions come from that perception. And that seems to be exactly what Steve Jobs mastered and, and used since as early as 1984 in Apple products. Never underestimate the, the sort of power of theatre in whatever business you do. That's What's that Turkish chef, Salt Bay? Do you, do you can count with Salt Bay? Nope. I'll send you a link after that. Oh, Tay, you're getting an edu education in pop culture here, Alan. <laughs> Salt Bay is a, a chef that basically has a load of high-end restaurants. And he, the big thing is you can spend like £1,200 on a gold-leafed steak, but he comes up and he cuts at the table in front of you. And it's theatre, right? The way he cuts it, the way he gives you the first... He's got like a basically a sword, cuts it with his sword, puts a bit of steak on the end, feeds you with it, puts the salt on in a fancy way. It's If you cut it down, there's a guy I've seen on TikTok who runs a steakhouse in, in Scotland... He delivers effect. He said it's the same product, same steak from the same butchers, same gold leaf. He sells this for a hundred quid, all the same experience. People pay eleven hundred pounds more to get a video of them having Salt Bay do this in front of them. That's what they're paying for. It's the theatre, the product. But as soon as he doesn't do that, as soon as someone pays twelve hundred pounds and they don't get that, the product is dead, isn't it? There's, yeah. it gets found out. So, absolutely, judging a book by its cover and. People percept the perception that how you do one thing is how you do everything is key. But fabulous. You're, you're on a roll here. I asked you to be sharp and you've been sharp. This is brilliant. Right, go on, choose a number. We've done two. Well, we've not done two. That is a number. Let's let's do number two. Let's number do it. Two. You picked it. All right, simplify. Oh, I love this. 
Okay, Job's zen-like ability to focus was accomplished by the related instinct to simplify things by zeroing in on their essence and eliminating unnecessary components. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, declared Apple's first marketing brochure. To see what that means, compare any Apple software with, say, Microsoft Word, which keeps getting uglier and more cluttered with non-intuitive navigational ribbons and intrusive features. It is a reminder of the glory of Apple's quest for simplicity. I love this bit. Jobs earned, learned to admire simplicity when he was working the night shift at Atari as a college, college dropout. Atari's games came with no manual and needed to be un- uncomplicated enough that a stoned freshman could figure them out. The only instructions for its Star Trek game were 1. Insert quarter, 2. Avoid Klingons. His love of simplicity and design was refined at design conferences he attended at the Aspen Institute in the late 1970s on a campus built in the Bauhaus style, which emphasised clean lines, functional design, devoid of frills or distractions. Simplicity. Wow. Okay. This one doesn't spark any immediate thoughts. So let's have a look at... Actually, yes, it does. Because I, I've i been, as people who have spoken to me in the real world will attest, I've been on a quest for a new car recently. We've talked about it even on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And as part of that, I have been looking at various electric vehicles and the kind of the options for buying it. And we ended up going with a Tesla. And this is not a, a conversation to have about Tesla. However, there's two distinct types of car manufacturer at the moment. There's Teslas and Polestars and um, the mod, the new kind of electric-only brands where they don't have a dealership network and you can get a car and your options are basically kind of how big a battery do you want, what colour do you want it to be and what colour do you want it, the seats to be. That's your options. And then I looked at, for my dad, who's also looking at an electric car at the moment, he wants this a VW ID something or other, right? So a new electric-only ID. Uh, VW and they've got I kid you not something like 37 different just base models before you start looking at colours and stuff and I'm sat there with my dad he's in his 60s and yeah he wants an electric car he doesn't particularly care about the majority of what VW are trying to sell him but he got to the point and he's like you know I'm just going to get a Tesla I can't be bothered with this and how much you know and you think there you go simplicity right what do I want we want a car do I care about these million different things no if i want it i'll add it but i don't i don't need the life package or the fun package or the performance package or whatever it is i, I need you know what color is it how fast can it go how long can it go jobs are good in, right when can you deliver it so there's a simplicity of the buying process which i think is is key to any business yeah i think as well as you you did reference this in a previous podcast but in this case tesla Polestar, they've reimagined the whole customer experience around simplicity um, whereas VW are still stuck in selling VW cars with all the trims and pack- the different types, etc. So they haven't reimagined. Yes, they're selling electrical vehicles, but they've not reimagined the whole customer experience, whereas Tesla and the guys have, and therefore they've just lost the sale. And, and the modern world is definitely moving towards this simple self-service 
you know, the average consumer now is much more clued up on the product. They'd have looked at reviews. They would have done their homework. They don't, it, the days of going into, I don't know, a Dixon's and being sold a stereo by some 20 year old who's just on commission and selling you up the range and you coming back with something you don't need, it's done and dusted, right? Everyone listens yep. to music in a different way. Um, but if you are gonna go and buy a piece of electricals, you'd have watched an unboxing video, you would have, you'd have interacted with it in four or five different ways before you actually make the purchase. So yep. simplifying your sales channels, definitely important. Yep. Simplifying the product, do you think? I you think, think yeah, is... I've, I've got an example of that and it's a very, a very obvious one and 10 years ago it would have been cutting edge. But yesterday I was preparing a presentation uh, using, using PowerPoint, uh, Office 365, Microsoft 365, on my laptop which then just died and and i thought i really do need to get this to somebody in the next 20 minutes and my laptop's just died and i was halfway through the work did you poured I, coke over it no it was a coke free disaster zone i'm not sure what happened but then i picked up my tablet and opened it up and there was all the work now that is the norm but to me that's what a process that is that's simplicity because, you know, the cloud has made that possible. And I, I finished what I was doing and sent it to where it needed to go. But in, if, that, if that was still working off, I don't know, servers or in isolation, I, I would have missed a deadline and, and probably still not had it done because my, my day was then full of appointments. But the simplicity of cloud-based work um, allowed that to happen. Certainly my experience, I'm not saying it's simple, that's technical genius to make that happen but for me a service user it was simple exactly i've got one final one on simplicity so my father-in-law who's in his 80s was at my house the other day and he said oh i need to buy one of these i need to buy a radio for my mother-in-law for christmas she's notorious she breaks radios one a year by about november whatever radio she's got has been dropped in the sink or been smashed or whatever and he said, um, I, do I need one of these DAB ones? Because it's really difficult. And the last one we had, it's really hard to work. And, uh, and we were chatting away. And I said, well, you do need a DAB ready if you're going to buy a radio. Because, you know, that's the modern way. All the channels are on there now. And then I said, but actually, do you need a radio? Like, we, we don't have a radio anymore. We listen to everything on Alexa. And so within, you know, and, and he sat there. And I said, look, just tell Alexa, what do you want to listen to? So he asked it and Alexa played it and you realise, yeah, why does he need a radio now? He can spend 20 quid to get an Alexa and it'll do other things as well. But that's simple. Yeah. That's in its yeah. essence. Simple. Asking Alexa and it works. Right, we've got, what, six, seven minutes, Adam. We could squeeze one right. more in here. Right, so we've done push for perfection, we've done input and we've done simplicity. Pick a number. Okay. I'm going to pick number seven. Engage face to face. Oh, love this. Despite being a denizen of the digital world, or maybe because he knew all too well its potential to be isolating, Jobs was a strong believer in face-to-face -face meetings. There's a temptation in our networked age to think that ideas can be developed by email and iChat, he told me. That's crazy. Creativity comes from spontaneous meetings, from random discussions. You run into someone, you ask what they're doing, you say wow, and soon you're cooking up all sorts of ideas. I had this conversation with some of my colleagues last week, actually. So we were, we're in a situation, like most businesses nowadays, where we're, we're in this complete hybrid mode. Some days we're in the office, some days we're at home. And we've done, I think, 
a fairly decent job of keeping everyone together whilst we've been working at home by having daily Zooms, which which was seemed obvious to us. However, it feels like not that many people have done that. So we've got lots of people that are working in isolation. But we were in the office last week and I was on the phone to a client and I put the phone down. There were three of us in the office out of the ten of us. And my colleague Lauren said to me, oh, do you know, I missed this. I said, what, you missed hearing me on the phone to clients? And she said, yeah. Because even though we only get half this conversation, I now know that that client you were talking to is opening a new site. And, you know, I've got that background info. It doesn't need to go in a file note. Um, but if that client then rings me, I've already got that. I'm in the picture. And I missed. And she thinks we've missed for two years now that kind of background knowledge and absorbing that just through listening to other people's conversations with their customers. And you imagine the amount of conversations that have happened on Zoom that are in isolation and are going to are going to be lost because people, you know, you, they're, if it's not written down, it's not put into a system, you don't know that John spoke to Jim and this is what they yeah. talked about. And so, yeah, 100%, being not just face-to-face meetings with your customers, but being around your colleagues makes a massive difference to that um to the point that i've just realized we we're moving office and we've put in a zoom room so that i can go and sit or whoever can go and sit in a room quietly and have a zoom conversation with a client and we're going to lose we're going to lose that i've just thought about that now but if i have every zoom with a client in there then we're going to get back to the the rest of the team aren't going to have a clue what's going on so there you go i'm learning on the fly as we're doing this but yeah i definitely think and it's interesting because this article was written when 2012 2012 yeah so since then the world's moved on massively um to the point where we were all forced to get away from face to face and so yeah i it's interesting i've got one other point on this and then i'll let you talk alan because i've talked a lot on this podcast i had a another one of my colleagues it was a three-month probationary meeting um so she's been with us three months she's an absolute star right but we had three three month probation came up it got put in our diaries as a zoom meeting and i said oh no can we do it face to face and her instant reaction was oh no have i not passed the probation is it bad news and i was like no not at all it's completely the other way but it was like that whole again she's she's young and she's in this new world where yeah you wouldn't deliver bad news on zoom but you would quite happily do it face to face and therefore and you think everyone's everyone's perception of meetings now is slightly skewed by what's happened for the last 18 months. I, d- I just think it's a very, very good reminder from beyond the grave about the effectiveness of face-to-face. And, and I think that's something that we should all carry with us still. You know, yes, hybrid, uh, or maybe it's all in the office, or maybe still not. But this was one of the most famous entrepreneurs uh, and and that's what he said. No email, no iChat, face to face. You're crazy if you don't. I think that's just one of these ones. Now, clearly, this was eight years before the pandemic, but you know what a reminder to us all about the power of face to face. It feels like we've had Steve Jobs as a special guest on our podcast today, and I've really enjoyed that. So I'm going to let everybody go now, though. So um, as ever, feedback much appreciated. Find us on social give us the feedback let us know what you want us to talk about um we have lots of conversations with people but no one it's interesting we don't get anyone yet saying can you really talk about this and i'm sure there are things people would like us to talk about so hit us up with that kind of content otherwise that's all for now we will see you next week but for now goodbye goodbye this 
is the Mind Your Business podcast.